So we're back, and quite frankly, I didn't think we were going to make it this far, but we had a lot of fun last time, and uh, we think there might be some mileage in this. Uh, so we're going to give it another go. So hello, I'm Stefan Kaspar, and I'm joined by the entirely marvellous Queen of iPad Coffee Mornings, Mistress of iChamps, Fiona Harvey. Hello. Good, good. So um, last time we weren't sure of a name, but we've settled on, on feedback, mm. I think, because of uh, Miles' fantastic guitar yeah, playing. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And it sounded about right. That's what we're doing. But you didn't spell it. Feedback. It was. Oh yeah, so it's, it's like FBK, and so if you want to t- uh, tweet and you want to use that as the hashtag, hashtag then it FBK would be FBK Sutton. Yeah, perfect. Um, and it's it's fair to say that we've encountered a few questions we weren't expecting when the first one came out. So it was quite interesting to get some of the uh, responses, and um, and I thought it might just be helpful to just explain a little bit um, about what a, a podcast is. Uh, do you think that might be helpful? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. We could do that thing about. Um, We've got good faces for radio. Yes, that's Terry Wogan. Did that, but um, yeah, I think uh, what is what is a podcast? Yes, that's one of the questions. So um, it's normally a series of audio tracks that you can listen to. So a podcast isn't just one recording of something audio. It should be a cast. So it's like a broadcast, but it's using it used to be played on an iPod. So that was the whole yeah. pod part of it. And then the video cast used to be called a vodcast, but then people stopped calling it vodcast and just used podcast as a generic term for any broadcast mechanism on a series. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Mm. That's right. And, uh, and it's about um, it's sort of habit forming thing, isn't yeah. it? So you, you, the idea is you download it maybe yeah. the night before and you listen and to it in your car or something. And, well, BBC do podcasts, don't they? They do lots and lots Radio of podcasts. podcasts. Yeah. yeah. In fact, all those programmes. I was, I was going to recommend a few, actually, which were... Mm. Um, that there's been a fantastic series called The Educators on Radio oh, 4. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. And you can download those as a, a podcast yeah. now. And there are interviews with people like um, so Ken Robinson, yeah. those, so those like, sorts of people. Yeah, because some people are saying ours was too long, mm. which is a fair point if you're sat looking at your podcast machine. But I listen to things in the kitchen or I'm doing something else. If it's not, like with the, with the MOOCs, there are videos... But they also have audio tracks you can listen to to learn from. So when I was doing research on MOOCs, I listened to lots of podcasts. But I was sat in the garden listening to them, or I was doing other things with it playing like you would with a radio. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it should be. If it's too long, it's boring. Yes. And if you don't think it's too long, then you'll think it's entertaining, which is probably the point. Yes, and you can give us that feedback if you want yeah. to. very nice. I like what you did there. <laughs> So, uh, straight on with business, really. Um, we've got some news, uh, which we hinted at last time in the podcast, which is that our little centre for innovation, technology and education yeah. has merged with the Professional Development Unit, and now we've grown up uh, as an Institute for Education, Innovation and Development. Uh, and uh, really, it's about sort of coming together and, and being a sort of focus for uh, championing uh, teaching and learning at, at, at Southampton, but also sort of uh, supporting staff with professional development and lots of activities there as well. Yeah, so, so the, yeah, so we still have the two arms of the innovation, which is technology innovation for education and research, and we have the professional development side of things, which is something that the university's always done. So that will be from the estate staff and professional services to academic staff. Um, but we're doing it 
in a way that is more creative and individual. So it's not a blanket, one size fits all, it never is. It's more about using the resources that we have around us in a way to enhance education. It should be the first port of call for innovation or interest in. If they have an idea to do something, check with us first to see if we're already doing it. Or even just let us know what they're doing. That's yeah, the, you know, absolutely. It's part of a community of engagement in terms of partnership working. It's not about us knowing all, seeing all and doing all. It's about us working alongside academic teams to achieve what the faculties have decided are their priorities for the university. So that's how we should be working. And yeah. we are working, actually. Yeah, it's not go. that we should be. We aren't aspiring to do that. I think that's how we are working. But it, it, yeah. it gives it more of a, a focal point. And it's really difficult, isn't it? Because you, well, you know, you have, you have a small unit, you know, like ours, and it's in a in a, mm. a big university, and there are lots of people doing lots of activities across the board. Mm. And uh, uh, for me, it's trying to uh, find out those uh, uh, bits of best practice, or or, mm. or that engagement that you can then spread to a kind of wider audience. Yeah, because lots of things are happening. <coughs> excuse me, already at Southampton, really innovative, creative people are individually capturing the essence of their disciplines by doing a variety of different. Um, activities with various tools and um, they, they, they're they very good educators and they've just got on with it basically but what they're doing in their faculties doesn't get transmitted to the people doing it in another part of the university so our role is to bring these people together yeah. and then to uh, work with academics so for example, lots of the stuff I do is working with academics. They might say, I'm doing this, this and this on my module. And then I'll go, oh, well, have you tried this, this and this? Because these people over here are doing it or this institution's doing it or somewhere in America someone's doing something. So it's about bringing stuff together to make academics' lives more entertaining and interesting yeah, yeah, their absolutely. educational experience for the students. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, even in my short time here, just being, you know, talking to lots of different people in lots of different faculties, and you quickly find people who, and you say, do you know what? There's a very similar project happening uh, just just across the way here, and you really need to go and have a chat oh, to them. Oh, amazing and, stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, and particularly, um, we found lots of good, not even good practice. It's um, innovative practice. It's not just good. Yes. It's awesome practice. Yes. Um, and the students absolutely love it. But when we were working with Southampton Opportunity program there was um lots of the interns that were working for that discovered all these opportunities that were happening but they worked with academics that then showed us what they were doing educationally so okay. open doors into other things that was well the, this is actually what i was going to ask you about so i know that there is something called the southampton opportunity but I've, i'm not entirely clear uh, mm. what it is and i think you okay. might be the best yeah. person to explain well southampton opportunity is um a program of activity um, on a range of different things, but essentially it's about the co-curricular activity that happens at the university. So there's core programs that are happening and uh, a degree program has been delivered, but alongside your degree, the added value of going to a university is that things are happening around you that you can take part in. Otherwise, you'd all be doing MOOCs, but this is where the, the fun starts happening. And our institution in particular is an amazing array of activities that are happening that students can take part in uh, to develop skills that they'll be find hugely valuable as in, in employment. Okay, so all that sounds um, really interesting, and there are lo lots of great points there. And I know that you've been talking to lots of people lately. Uh, one of them is uh, Dr. Eleanor Quince, and who's got some interesting plans for her teaching in history. Oh, and I wondered yeah. if you could just tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> she's doing a wonderful module called Building London. 
absolutely fascinating. So she's using Twitter with that, but that's not the point. The point is the module that she's actually delivering is really interesting. And if I could go to every session that she's doing on that, I would, I would uh, in a heartbeat do it. And I think it should be an online course, but anyway, that's just a separate thing. Um, she's, um, over a period of history, her period of time, she's looking at how London was built and looks at the architecture. And it looks at why things happened the way they did. So it goes from the Great Fire of London right up to the present day. So she looks at St Paul's Cathedral, she looks at um, the different places in London and each week they have a different area to look at. Um, and the students, she gives a quote about London and, through Twitter and the students have to find out where that quote came from and tweet oh, back the answer. That sounds nice, it's a oh, bit of a detective It's uh, lovely, kind of but story. it's so interesting, yeah. it's so much. And the beautiful thing is we're not far from London. No. So you could just go up to London walk around and take a look at all these wonderful buildings and it's just amazing what she's coming up with but it's just and the students are wonderful too so they're all engaged um of course it's history and uh it's just inspiring to watch her because she's got a passion for the subject as well so. yeah do you know i think that's a, a lot of the good practice a lot of the outstanding practice or excellent practice awesome practice, awesome practice. everything is awesome. yeah everything is awesome yeah absolutely um, a lot of that comes from people having that, that passion, yeah. and if you if you have a real love of what you do, yeah. then it's, it's not hard, I no, think, to, no. to get well, that She's she's put a lot of work into that module yeah. because it's face to face classes, there's seminars, there's lectures, but it's a, a really interesting and inspiring approach to what she's doing. That's great, and there's lots of chatter around it. Is there in Twitter and and and, and what have you? Yeah, so it's building up. Students need to take. And students aren't necessarily used to using Twitter in their academic programs. They see it as one particular tool. Yeah. They don't see themselves as technology focused at all, but they're actually doing it all the time. We've come from a background where we we found out about it and saw the potential, whereas they yeah. just found out about it because they want to talk to their friends, and that's fine. Yeah. So we, with our roles in our in in, in Iliad, is to take this technology and apply it in an educational context. So. Using Twitter, some of the students are like, okay, and they find it hard because they think they have to be much more uh, deliberate in what they tweet because they think they're going to be assessed on it. Well, they're ah, not. so it's a proper, yeah. you know. So it's yeah. about, you know, it's like teaching students to, they know how to write and they know how to yeah. read, but they don't know how to write an essay particularly. So it's about using these tools in an educationally focused way. So they're just getting used to doing that. So that's happening okay. quite a lot. I believe lots of humanities are actually using Twitter in the Great. teaching practice. Great. Now. And it is about what, what we were talking about with um, you know, Professor Hugh Davis. It's about um, people getting their personal learning environments together. Mm. So, um, And uh, my personal learning environment might be different to yours. Yeah, you absolutely. have different tools and, and there's no right or wrong. It's, it's what we have around us to, yeah. to, to enable us to engage and learn. It's not restricted by yeah. where you are. It's about... Uh, having the flexibility of choice to choose what you want to use. So in in the case of um, students using Twitter, we just say to them, don't use your personal account, just create one for the class. And then, and the same with the academic, because it's all about online identity and your own, your digital literacy to know how to apply you know, the rules of using Twitter in the way that you want to teach with it. So 
having um, a network it doesn't necessarily matter so much in that context but in other contexts it might do so you might want to have a network of people and you use Twitter to find out information or you can just have the network of the people in your class yeah I, I, I don't mind that I mean I use Twitter all the time but and mm. I find that lists really useful so mm. I have my education list I have my sort of uh, mm. cycling one it's going to mm. get quite nerdy this yeah. but you know yeah. you're able to separate different parts of your life in, in that mm. way and and actually uh, you, you you're contributing by hopefully uh, giving some interesting stuff and and that mixture isn't a bad thing you no, know people no, it shows, it shows you're human, human. yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely who knew, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I like that I, yeah. I like that sort of uh, blurring of the formality yeah, and the I don't, yeah I think I mean it's not Twitter isn't personal like Facebook might be but I think Eleanor's learning now that it's um it's useful and she's having fun as well so that's yeah. good because it's more interesting for her so the passion comes through because she's engaged and inspired as she's teaching the course so i'm dr eleanor quince and i work in the history department here at the university of southampton so i've started to use twitter for my second year students on my module building london 1666 to 2012 and i'm using a class hashtag which is hist short for history 2086 which is the class code that we use um, I started using it because I was shall we say pushed into using it by Fiona <laughs> so Fiona um, has been talking to me about some of the things that different people across the university have been doing with Twitter and I've been telling her about my Building London course which was new so it's a brand new course and she was very keen on getting me some support to to help me put it all together and to get it up and running and i actually got an iChamp from fiona who's a history student who's working with me and she was very keen on the idea of using twitter so i went away and had a think about what i could actually do because obviously it's not i don't think twitter is going to be something that's suitable for everything so I tried to think creatively about what I could do and I ended up coming up with the idea of quote London which would mean that I would find quotations about London from a whole range of different writers um, and I would choose a quote per weekday during term time and I would have those quotes related to the themes that we were looking at in the course from the same time period as far as I could make it so either about the time period that we were looking at or from the time period they were looking at so try and get as much sort of contemporary source material in there as possible and then students are invited to try and guess or find out it's better if they find out um, where the quotes from who who's who it's from um, and to tweet me with the answer they were quite nervous to begin with the students because as you were saying, um, I discovered that not very many of the class were actually already on Twitter. There was only about two who were already on it. So I had to get some way of getting them engaged with it from the start. So I actually ran a digital literacy session within my module. So Fiona came along, very kind of her, um, and gave the students a session on setting up a Twitter account using Twitter. So I said to Fiona, well, they've got it there. It's a sort of body of material. And she said, well, Twitter's a little bit kind of ephemeral like that. It's sort of, it's there, but it's not there. So you ought to think about doing something solid with it. So she suggested that I put the quotes into Storify. 
So I've now got a series of storifies um, called Quote London, Quote London Chapter 1. I'm now up to Quote London Chapter 7. <laughs> and there's a chapter per week and it just pulls together all the quotes. But I also then put in images and little extra bits of information. So uh, Storify gets you to tell a story. So I put it all together to tell a story that surrounds the quotes and uses the quotes puts them in a context which then adds another layer for the students and I've badged them as revision guides because I think it will encourage the students to go back and have a look. I have to say Twitter has been a, a bit of a, um, a surprise for me. I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to work but it has and I'm very pleased that I chose to do it. It's enabled me to do more. Um, I think previously Bearing in mind, the, the course is new, but it has um, roots in a pre-existing course that I taught for about six years. So, so it's been tried and tested in lots of different ways. Um, and previously, I used to try and pack huge amounts into my seminars because I had this sort of panic that there's only so much you can do in a lecture, as I said. So I would give my lecture and then in the seminar for the class, I would be pulling together lots and lots of different pieces of source material and trying to get the students to sort of understand those, which would mean that we wouldn't really cover them in depth. We'd sort of not skate across them um, exactly, but we would do little bits. We wouldn't really, I feel, really get to grips with it. So what the Twitter has enabled me to do is to, to sort of move some of that source material out so that the students can get a better in-class experience because we can choose just a couple of sources and really look at them and have a good discussion, pulling out lots of questions, which means that they are getting not only the lecture and the sort of in-depth from the seminar itself, but they're still then getting that overflow of material that I was previously trying to pack in and they're getting that through the Twitter and through the Storify and it's enabling me to, to develop the things that we look at in the seminar in more detail which I think means they're also getting more out of it. So it did take a little bit of time for them to, to sort of fully engage and I think there were sort of an element of um, curiosity, wanting to, to be involved but to not participate. But I think as a teacher you're used to that and I think that's a normal way of starting a module, unless you know the students and unless they know you because you've taught them before. For this group I've never taught them before, never met them before. So I think there is that element of nervousness at the beginning of any module. So I would have expected them to take a little bit of time but now they all are engaged it's working really well and I think it's worth persevering so I think it has enabled them to see that social media can be used in a professional capacity but that you do have to be aware <laughs> that you are out there um, and that therefore anything you put out there that's personal anyone can see it and I think that was a message that has I don't know if it's sunk in completely because I think some of them still send things that I look at and go, ooh. <laughs> but I think it is something they're starting to learn and to understand. And I think it's really important, just with my employability hat on, that they see these kinds of um, digital literacies as things that will transfer very easily into the job market. <laughs> So
So the next thing we wanted to talk about was curriculum innovation. And actually on the first day that I arrived here in Southampton, I got uh, taken along to a seminar and that's where people were, were talking about, about it. And uh, uh, for me, it seemed that lots of really interesting people creating incredible modules that had all sorts of students from a wide range of subjects involved in, in learning about well, particular subjects that weren't usually in their programme. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, it's um, multidisciplinary modules. Okay. Those modules, though, so in, in multidisciplinary in the terms of not just the students that are on the modules themselves, but also the academics. So a couple of modules I've helped out with are the ethics module and also um, intercultural communication. So the ethics in a complex world is a lovely module. Uh, led by Julie Wintrip, which we've also got Roger Ingham from psychology on there, Angela Fennick from uh, medicine. Yeah, it was cross. It's cross science, cross yeah, humanities. Yeah, yeah. Hazel Hazel Biggs, law, Caroline Jones in law, and they also invite academics to come in and regular talk to the lecturers on the seminars and things. So, um, and they use try and looking at using different methods of assessment. So they might use blogs. So blogs weren't used a lot at the time of when the modules came out. And now they do. They might still have an exam and an essay, but they'll have presentations and they might be using zappers. And it's little steps. It's just using a few different methods of communicating with the students. And they might use Twitter. We had um, tweet chats with Julie and Bertolt Mayer from uh, Making Human, a program that was running at the time. That's the ethics in the complex world. And absolutely fascinating. And so it, uh, it sounds like experimentation is, is a thread that yeah, runs well, all the way through it from both the way that you deliver it yeah. and also... Uh, the subject matter itself. Yeah, and it's I mean it was quite it was quite a difficult thing to get running at the university because the way our systems were set up, they were set up within faculties and and it, it took a major overhaul and looking at and lots of commitment from lots of people um, to really get this going, to get it working in a true sense of the word of being multidisciplinary. And the students have have just loved it. Um, they've uh, upped their pace in taking part in the, the modules, and the modules have grown. I think there was like 11 at the beginning, okay. and now there's like, I don't know, 33, So 40. it's running for its second year now? It's or? normally from second year upwards. Okay. So the modules had to be designed in a way that they were, uh, you know, you have second and third years on the same level. Oh, great, okay. So you needed to ensure that you the uh, assessment matched the level of the student that was taking the course so or the program um oh sorry the module um but they are it's just a wonderful demonstration of community at southampton in that the staff really engaged in it and got on board and it's now run by russell bentley who's the um, assistant pro vice chancellor for education okay and i think we're going to have a chat with yeah. him and hear what he says well, one of the things we're very proud about at the University of Southampton with regard to curriculum innovation is the way we're really pushing ahead with interdisciplinary learning. And I think one of our, our flagship examples of this are our interdisciplinary modules, which are bespoke modules. They've been created by interdisciplinary teams who are in different departments, and they put together special modules that cut across the disciplines that we currently have defined as departments. And the, the criteria for these modules is Besides being interdisciplinary, they have to be innovative in both assessment and in delivery. And these have been wildly popular at the University of Southampton. People are queuing up to take these modules. We have quite a few of them, and, and they recruit anywhere from 20 to 150 students, depending on what the module is. And the staff who teach them are incredibly enthusiastic about what they're doing. 
because they've really created something that is fundamentally new. They're using new technology for delivery. They're using new methods of assessment and the students are getting so much out of them. And from my perspective as well, the staff are incredibly excited too. The opportunity to collaborate with staff across the university, I think is one of the big pluses in curriculum innovation. It is really bringing together colleagues who might have uh, um, complementary research interests, but don't actually get a chance to actually translate those into education. And of course, we are a research-led university, so obviously people want to know what this means. And I think one of the things it means for us is that this cross-cutting research we do finds its way into the curriculum so that students really are taking advantage of cutting-edge work that doesn't have a disciplinary home and brings different kinds of faculty together, different kinds of staff together to deliver the content and assess the material. And I really think that our students benefit from this immensely. And I know this because I see the module evaluations that they do and the glowing terms they use to describe this education experience makes me think that it's the wave of the future for everything we do so that it isn't kind of a standalone activity. The student experience is central to this and I really think this is driving student expectations about what their program should be like. And I do think that it's very important that we learn the lessons from curriculum innovation and we take that back to what some people still think of as the standard curriculum. We start looking at the standard curriculum and turning that into something that is dynamic, innovative, and constantly evolving. And I think we are doing that. We're not just doing it with the modules that I've spoken about, but we're also doing it with the opportunity for students to pursue minors alongside their major degree subject. Well, one of the standout ones for me is just because it's, it sounds really fun and it's, a, it's on piracy. Uh, and, it, and it sounds it's like it's about people with eye patches and parrots on their shoulders, but it's actually about a very complicated issue that sounds old-fashioned but lives on in our age, uh, affects international relations, it affects culture, it affects globalization, very fascinating stuff. We are using a lot of innovative methods in the delivery. We are using social media, we are using blended learning. We're making use of all the technology that we've always had an expertise in, but haven't harnessed across the curriculum. And I think that's one of the things that's changing, is that we're looking at all of the things we can do. Everything from videoing lectures, to flipping the classroom, to using social media as a learning tool. All of these things are not just changing what we teach, but they're, they're actually changing the kind of engagement that students have with the material, with their lectures. It's beyond the classroom. This is learning that is going on when you're not thinking about learning. And I think that's the best kind. So that was very interesting. And he had lots to say and lots of good things to tell us. It's great. It's and really um, uh, for you, what are some of the standout um, you know, modules. modules that people have done? Um, I think for me, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time with the ethics and the complex world one. So I spent a lot of time with the academics, working with them, and I ran a couple of the, the sessions with them. Um, but it was about talking to the students. So the students on the modules, they're the ones that have just chosen to do something a little bit different. Um, and we had the, the fairs, and I also run workshops and sessions with the people who were teaching on the curriculum innovation modules um, to find out what, what exactly it is they are anticipating doing and giving them support to do it. Um, the latest one I've been helping out with is Body and Society. That's fascinating. Is it again? Yeah, I can. It's um, Scott Border in medicine. Okay. Um, and you've got Joseph R. And she's a, an archaeologist. And they're looking at. Um, it goes from medieval. So it's really bringing people together who who no, you wouldn't normally. And they've used pouting. They've used wow. um, all different tools. They've they're looking at how they produce an exhibition catalogue. 
So some students would never even, in medicine, would never normally have to do anything like produce an exhibition catalogue. They use Blackboard for their learning environment because lots of the images they're looking at are controversial, to say the least, um, but they're also being paid for, so they're behind the firewall. So it's teaching students about copyright, it's teaching students yeah. about skills for um, producing work and, and accrediting the right people. It's really valuable, and it's... They've they engage in it. They've even been down to the hospital to look at real bodies. Oh so, goodness! Yeah, we've gone the whole spectrum. Oh, but that's they, great. They're supervised by people who are passionate about their subject yes. and care about education, and so that comes across. Brilliant. And so the students are, you know, they're very lucky to be able to participate in things like that. So that's yeah, point. absolutely. And uh, and curriculum innovation gives you the opportunity to do that, doesn't yeah. it? And we were looking at more and more ways to, you know, because we keep saying this thing that, you know, uh, re research and education aren't mutually exclusive. You know, they're, no, they're, it's, you know yeah. that's the whole point. You're doing the research and then you're telling the students about it and you're pulling it into their, their knowledge. And even the students are helping with the research, so there's yeah. some really great things happening. And it's and, and you know this is not to you know not to be negative about any other thing, but it's it's real. The, the, so the research is is, is live. It's now. Yeah. It's happening. And and those are fantastic examples and contexts in which to study yeah. your your and your all, core subject. Yeah. And all the time, Iliad is like helping to work with those academics to help them. So we work with curriculum innovation teams as well as individual academics who aren't on the curriculum innovation flexible modules. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's all part of this community of education and research. Yeah. And I know that the the people are queuing up to take part. Yeah. I've already spoken yeah. to a few people this term and said, I, I had a module, I thought it would be really good for uh, curriculum innovation. I'm really mm. hoping next time I'm gonna yeah. get the chance to, oh, this, to, to yeah. participate. It's, so. I think it's just um, giving the academics an opportunity to explore new ways of doing things without the you know they have to there's some there are some core modules these are optional modules yes. so it's it's and they get to work with other people they probably never worked with before and it's just it's good it is good, it's good yeah and us. especially in a big place like this that's that's the exciting bit isn't yeah. it it's the links and the connections yeah. that you can make make the most of it yeah. lots of people here <laughs> absolutely brilliant so um i think that what we we're saying this this podcast is a slow burner and we're learning <laughs> as we as we go along and a few more people have heard it and we've had some technical trips as well to yeah. to try and make it a bit better and um, I might even sign up to a course I might even I'm looking for a MOOC <laughs> podcasting <laughs> yeah yes please <laughs> yeah that'd be good um, but if you're keen on starting your own podcast which I'd really like to um, encourage you out there there's a wealth of information out there and um, I remember tweeting about this a while ago and you should start with someone like Roman Mars so that's uh, R-O-M-A-N-M-A-A-S and uh he has a podcast called 99%, which is uh, it's one of the longest-running podcasts about design. Oh. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, and also there's a lady called Helen Zaltzman, who has a fantastic oh. uh, podcast called Answer Me This, oh, which is a lot of fun. I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, they both have really good websites where there's uh, lots of links to... Um, uh, getting the right kit, um, you know how to sort of oh, shape okay. a script, uh, things like that. So uh, if you're if you're interested in getting started, uh, I'll I'll tweet tweet the links, and um, please remember to contact us and tell your friends, and that you can uh, download this podcast at the moment from SoundCloud, but we're really hoping that we're going to be able to, to download it from iTunes. Uh, very soon and you'll probably be able to get it from the Iliad website which is uh, iliad.sutton.ac.uk 
So um, I'm looking forward to the next one Everything already. <laughs> yeah. Um, any, anything to add, Fiona? No, just that we're very, very busy. Uh, I know that um, uh, I talked a little bit about flipped learning um, at the Iliad launch, and I'm really okay. interested in talking a little bit more about that, especially uh, flipped learning in a, in a HE context. Okay. Because of my sort of past in FE, oh, yeah. it's very different, and lots of different challenges to, to doing it's it here. It's completely different. It is completely <laughs> different. So as I say, I'm learning as I go along. Okay. But um, thank you very much, Fiona. Yes, you're welcome. It's good fun. Yes, and thank you to everyone who listens. And uh, please uh, send us your feedback, and uh, we'll uh, look out for us next time. Yeah, thank you. Thank Goodbye. You. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you.